Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Man, it is a good day to be uh, at, at Renewed Church. It's a good day because probably y'all are going to eat good today. I know mom's not having to cook today, so y'all are going to go celebrate that, that mom in your life. And uh, man, I'm excited that you guys are each and every one of you are here today. Welcome to week two of Games People Play. This is a sermon series on relationships and how to win in relationships. We started it two weeks ago, and uh, we talked about how you face demons. We, we were talking about the, the, the demons in your life, or maybe they weren't real like spiritual demons, but all of us have demons. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the message. It's in the archive and, and hear that, listen to that. These are the things that are not of the Spirit of God, that are not of the Spirit, that, that are, are sometimes the unwhelmed things in our life that kind of overwhelm the, the fruits of the Spirit that God wants for each and every one of us. These are the things that we need to do so that we can win at relationships. But if you haven't figured this out by now, this series will not focus on the things that everyone else needs to do. I know it's about relationships, but it's not about how you can fix your partner, your friend, your mate, your, your brother, your sister, your parent, your child. It's about how you can fix yourself. It's the things you need to do to fix yourself, what you need to do. And, and our key verse for the series is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world. And I, I loosely use the, the, the synonym, the game. Don't, don't conform anymore to the game of this world, the, the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so there's a lot of games that people play. There's things that we do oftentimes in life. Don't play the game of the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I want to start by telling you a story. Tell you a story a little bit about my, my family. I have three brothers, three older brothers, 11 years older, 10 years older, and then seven years older. The 10 and 11 year older brothers, they're, they're, we're so much further along in life that literally by the time I can remember, I mean, I remember a little bit, but by the time I really got to like a development age, they were almost out of the house, and they moved away. They moved out of state. They moved to college, all of those things. But the one that's seven years older than me, he was probably the biggest role model, the biggest impact on my life. He was a pastor. Uh, I became a pastor. Like, he did certain things. I wanted to do certain things. Like, we even, you know, we're close enough in age, seven years is apart, that I still thought I could, like, fight him and, you know, somehow win fights and do stuff like that. Like, we did that. The older brothers, not so much. But this one was the one that... that Everything he did, I would do. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody have an older brother or sister like that? You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so he played soccer in high school. And uh, I remember when he played soccer in high school. In fact, I remember specifically a game that I went to and we were watching. And, and I remember him coming off the field, literally hobbling off the field and in tears, in excruciating pain, getting in our van. And as he gets in our van, he has like ice packs on both knees and he's crying in like bitter agony as he's in pain, suffering with this, this like knee injuries that he has. Both of his knees are just like, un, like I don't know, they, they, it didn't allow for him to, to play soccer the way that he wanted to. I tell you this story to tell you that every time growing up and, and beyond like even in his young adult years and even in, up to a couple years ago, we were in a conversation and it was me and my brother and some other guy and this guy, other guy, my brother was like 
finding commonality. He was finding common ground with, and he was talking to them, and they, they had that, that you know, uh, common ground of soccer. And he would start talking about soccer, and, and then he would say, yeah, I love soccer. I used to play soccer in high school. And then he would always go, but my knees. And I would just kind of like roll my eyes and think to myself, like, what, why is it? And after the conversation, I didn't do it in front of his friend or in front of the person, but I was like, why is it that every time the conversation around soccer comes up, you say, but my knees. Anybody like that? Anybody have that kind of instance or that situation where it's just like, there's this thing in my life, but my whatever. Those are called excuses, right? Those are called excuses. And they're genuine excuses. I mean, it is real, but it was like, why is it that every time we talked, you would bring up your knees when it came, came to soccer? So it was always the joke. I'd be like, hey, Tr- uh, Darren, uh, there's a soccer game on, but my knees, man, remember that. So, um, but maybe soccer wasn't the thing for you. Maybe your knees weren't the thing for you, but probably in your life, you have some excuses, some things that you've done or wanted to do, but You know, I could have done that, but the 2008 financial crisis hit and it it shut everything down, right? Or or I could have been better at running a a marathon, and this is me personally, but I got sick the night before. Well, the reason why I got sick the night before is because I ate two bowls of spaghetti thinking I'm carb-loading and really like I'm eating this greasy, like the greasiest marinara sauce you would have ever eaten. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, it wasn't, you know, because of the fact that I just got sick. It was because I ate greasy spaghetti and I was 20 pounds overweight. I should not have been even trying to run that marathon. I was not prepared for it, but for whatever reason, I thought, you know, I ran a marathon before, I could do it again. These are excuses we make sometimes, right? For me as a pastor, excuses for, for church growth and, and pastoring churches and church planting. Um, one of the excuses that I've heard amongst pastors in, 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 in this community, in our circles, is, oh man, Miami. Miami is the second most unchurched county in the nation. I don't know if that's true or not, but oftentimes when pastors get around, they, they start throwing those statistics around. It's like, it's like a graveyard for some reason. I'm not even sure what that means, but it's like this graveyard of, you know, people can't, you can't pastor a church. You go here to die if that's what you're going to do. That's the concept. That's the idea behind it. Um, people will do anything in Miami but come to church. There's like literally too many things going on. Uh, South Beach, the Marlins, the heat, the Florida Keys, lots of sunshine, the beach. There's just everything else that you can do but church. And so we make these excuses sometimes as pastors that you can't lead a church, you can't plant a church, you can't grow a church in Miami because of this. It's a good excuse, but that's just what it is. This week I want to talk to you about games people play. I want to talk to you about the game Uh, excuse game and and how it is, the title of my sermon, it is a good excuse. Because I wanted to give my kids everything I had. And so that's why I do what I do. Or I wanted to give my kids everything that I didn't have because when I grew up, I didn't have these opportunities and these abilities. So so that's why I do what I do, including uh, ignore spending quality time with my kids so that I can get them a brand new car when they really would be fine to, to ride with you if they could just spend time with you. I, I, I'm this way because of what my parents did to me. I'm, I am who I am because of the things that my parents did to me. And again, I'm not saying that these aren't true excuses, just like my brother's knees weren't real excuses. But every single day, every single time you think about it, you think about those excuses that say, this is why I am who I am. 
One of the most famous interpersonal excuses is this, and maybe you're not saying it as much at this age, but you've heard your kids say it is, Mom, everybody else is doing it, right? And then you, you say, well, if Timmy wanted to jump off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge? And then my sarcastic brain's like, if I had a parachute, maybe I would, Mom, you know, or something like that, or a bungee cord. But that, that is everybody else is doing it, and so that's what I'm going to do. We make excuses for everything from our, our weight to our education to our kids to our marriage to our addictions. And again, I'm not saying there's not truth in every single one of them, but I'm saying if you live on excuses, you will never see progress in your life. If you live on excuses, if that's what you do, you will never see progress in your life. Your sermon in a sentence, if you're taking notes, and I hope you're taking notes. If you're, if you're not, I'm encouraging you to grab that little worship guide, flip it over and fill it out because it will help you retain this. It'll help you go back to look at it and remind you of it maybe later on in the week or later on in life. But here's the, the, the sermon in a sentence. You can either have results or excuses, but you can't have both. You can either have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. Why do we make excuses for the things that we do? Because it's easier than changing, and it shifts the focus and the responsibility to someone or something else. The reason why we make excuses is because it changes, it shifts the responsibility, it shifts the focus, and, and it takes the responsibility off ourselves, and it places it on someone or something else in our life. That's why we make excuses. Most excuses are fear-based. It, it's out of fear that we say what we say or do what we do. Instead of having the courage to change, we just try another excuse, or we go back to the old one. Why? Because oftentimes we're afraid of change, or we don't want to change, or we like the way things are this, at, at this current point in our life. In honor of Mother's Day today, I want to look at a story of a mom in the Bible. I want to look at a story of a mom and her daughter-in-law. And, and uh, how many of you know it's Mother's Day, but it's also Mother-in-Law Day? So let's give mother-in-laws a round of applause today. Y'all are golf clapping them. You don't want to offend them, so you're like... I I don't want to be the loud one. I don't know how to, to honor my mom. But happy Mother's Day, mother-in-laws. And, and I want to talk to you about a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law in the Bible. Um, remember, your mother-in-law is the reason why you have that significant other in your life. So you need to be thankful for them. Amen? Amen. Y'all aren't with me today. It's all right. Uh, we'll catch up. Hey, uh, anybody a fan of Hallmark? Anybody a fan of Hallmark? Not the card shop. Did you guys know there used to be a card shop called Hallmark? Anybody know about that? Before you bought your cards at Dollar Tree, uh, you would go to this place and get a precious moment and a, a gift, I mean, a, a birthday card. You know about that, Hallmark? So this is Hallmark, not, not the, the card shop. This is Hallmark, the, 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 the movie, like, you know, series or the TV, um, what's that called? Channel, TV channel, thank you. Um, remember when... Uh, Hallmark uh, was a card store. Okay, I've got to get back on track. Sorry. Uh, Hallmark, the, the movie series, the TV channel, it's the same plot every time, right? It's the same plot. It's, it's either the girl is a cupcake store owner and the guy is a doctor and somehow they meet in this small town and they fall in love. You've seen that? Or it's the opposite. It's like the guy is a, a carpenter or like a landscaper, and the girl is a lawyer just graduating from Harvard, and they meet in the big city, and they fall in love. 
It's always the same story. The next best thing to a Hallmark movie is a Hallmark Bible story. So we're going to look at a Hallmark Bible story, and it may not be as pretty as some of the ones that you watch on television. You see, in many parts of Scripture, the Bible is sweeping through, like, generations. It's covering, like, in just a couple of verses, it's covering generations and nations, and it's like two or three verses, and you just saw a hundred years pass for an entire nation of people. But there are other parts of the Bible that narrow the focus on a specific family at a specific time so that it could be placed in Scripture to give us application into something purposefully for our lives, even for today, I believe. That's where we find ourselves in the book of Ruth today, Ruth chapter 1. Before we go to Ruth chapter 1, though, let me give you the very verse before Ruth chapter 1, 1, which is Judges 21, 25. So this in, in, in chronological order or, or sequential order, Judges 21, 25, it says there that very verse before Judge, uh, Ruth 1 says, In those days Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. This is the setting for the book of Ruth. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. Does that sound like Miami to you? A little bit, right? Ruth chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Let me give some context to this. So they're from Bethlehem, and, and this is in the, the, you know Bethlehem, it's the birthplace of Jesus, but it's also the promised land for the chosen people of God, the children of Abraham. Specifically, Bethlehem means house of bread. And it's ironic that, that Bethlehem means house of bread, and yet there's a famine in the land. So they went to a place called Moab. Because there was a famine in their land, they went to this place called Moab, and this is a place of paganism and idolatry. Moab is not a place of promise or of, of, of God's favor. In fact, if you go to Genesis chapter 9 later on in, in this week, you can look it up. Genesis 19 is where you find that Lot and his daughters escape from Sodom. They live in a cave in the hills near Zor. And when Lot gets drunk, his daughters seduce him. They conceive and they bear children of their father. And their child, the, the, the one child they call one of the daughters calls their son Moab. That is the birth and the beginning of the nation of the Moabites. So if you understand this, this is not a good place. This place was birthed out of uh, idolatry and paganism. But this is where the people, these, this family go to try to find food, to try to find bread. The man's name, verse 2, the man's name was Elimelech, which Elimelech uh, ironically means God is king or the Lord is king. And his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and they lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her sons and her husband. All right, so let's stop there for just a second. Let's get some context and kind of catch up with what just happened. This is kind of a sweeping set of verses. In a few verses, we find out what covered in 10 years what happened to this woman's husband and her two sons. They leave the promised land, the house of bread, because of the famine. They go to a foreign country. It's enemy territory. And the family with two sons move. They marry foreign women, Moab women, Moabite women. And then dad dies. And then the two sons die, leaving mom and daughters-in-law, Moabite women, Naomi 
and then Orpah and Ruth, not Oprah, Orpah. Verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. And may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I still had a, if, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, and here's your key verse for this message. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. I'm going to stop there and, and uh, kind of do some summarization of the rest of the next three chapters and, and what happens in this story. But you can, and I encourage you to go back and read Ruth chapter 2, 3, and 4. It'll only take you like 20 minutes to read the entire book of Ruth. But here's what happens in Ruth chapter 1. Naomi, the mom, begins to make excuses for her daughter-in-law. She says things like, why would you come with me? I will have no more sons. I'm too old. I don't have a husband. I have to get a husband, and, and then God has to give me two more sons. And, and then even then, they have to grow up, and you would have to wait all that time. And besides that, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me, what, which is what Naomi means, call me Mara which is bitter because the Lord's hand is against me. Naomi begins to make these kind of excuses for Ruth and for her, her daughters-in-law. See, the book of Ruth is about a Jewish family that didn't serve God as king, and things start falling apart. It's about a family that instead of trusting God in the promised land and living in the land of promise and the house of bread, they follow the food, they follow the, 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 where, where they think they can get something and they leave God's provision and God's favor to go to a place that is a foreign place where they didn't serve God as king. And, and things are falling apart for this family. Husband dies, sons dies. Sons die, but God still provides. In the strangest of ways, though, God provides. God provides not through uh, the way that they expected. God provides through a Moabite girl named Ruth. You see, Ruth didn't accept excuses that were being made for her 
She didn't make excuses, nor did she accept excuses for her. Instead, she found a husband that that began to uh, take her in and take in their family, cared for Naomi, and restored their family name and ultimately their property. Because of the faithfulness of a foreign woman, this family went from cursed to blessed. They went from hopeless to whole. This family went from famine to famous. What do you mean by that, Trevor? They went from curse. They experienced what they thought was the Lord turning his hand on them and and turning his back on them. And they went from there to a a place of blessing. They went from a famine in in, in the land to a place of uh, food and and, and, uh, uh, from hopelessness to a place of wholeness because of what God had done and what God was doing in them. And from famine to famous. And I want to answer this for you. Why, why would you say that they're famous? Well, if you read on in Ruth, Ruth chapters 2, 3, and 4, Ruth marries this guy. His name is Boaz. And they have a child together named Obed. And Obed is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. And some 26 generations later, if you look in Matthew chapter 1, there's this genealogical line. You'll see Ruth in there, and you go down 26 like ancestral lines, generational lines, and you'll see that in that same line is the line of Jesus. Why? Because a Moabite girl didn't accept excuse. Because a Moabite girl didn't say, well, I lost my husband and I'm, I'm going back to my homeland and to my family, to my people, to my little G-gods. No, I'm going to go back to the one true God, the living God. I'm going to go and, and serve him. I'm going to go back to your God, the one that I know is true and living. Because a little girl didn't make excuse and she even didn't accept excuse, she went from hopeless to whole. From cursed to blessed, and from famine to famous. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And I share this with you because I think it's a a story of a mother-in-law. I think it's a story of uh, uh, a mom that maybe didn't have the faith and maybe was a little too weak, a little too worn down from everything that had happened to her. You know, and I, I, if I'm honest with you, I, I kind of want to blame Elimelech a little bit because Elimelech, your name is God is King, and yet you're, you're, you're going to this foreign place and you're leading your family in the wrong direction. Why did you do this, Elimelech? Why didn't you trust God as King? But regardless, and the time has its way and it does what it does, but here we are. And it's just Naomi and just her two daughters-in-law. And and instead of giving in or giving up, the daughter-in-law, the one, says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to make excuses. And they're good excuses. They're real excuses. But I'm not going to live by them. Instead, I'm going to follow the one true living God even when it doesn't make sense. My message for you today is you can either have results or you can have excuses, but you can't have both. Which one are you choosing today? 
What kind of life are you living today? What, what's your decision today as it relates to this? You can say, all of this has happened to me and this is where I am and this is how I find myself, how I find my life. Or you can say, you know what? Regardless of the outcome, regardless of the things that have happened, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. That's my prayer for every mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, father-in-law, and son-in-law in the room. Every person that's within the sound of my voice, those listening online, and it's the question, which one are you and what are you going to do? Kids, stop making excuses. Adult kids, children, whoever you are, teenagers, stop making excuses for the reason you're in the position you're in. Yes, life happened to you and it's real life. It's real hard. But don't live on those excuses of yesterday. Trust the God of today and tomorrow forever. Parents, stop making excuses for your kids. You, you, you know what making excuses for your kids leads to? What kind of parent you lead to becoming? It starts with an E. What is it? Anybody know? An enabler. It's an enabler. It's the one that's like, oh, but they, what will happen if I don't? What will happen if I don't? This will, I'll never, I can never. And then their life becomes a, a, a train wreck. And there's no way you can dig them out of this one. I promise you I've seen it. I've walked in it. I've, I've dealt with it, even working with our, our ministry in the Hope Center and, and seeing it. And it, it's not always just their fault. Yes, they, no one forced them to do, do what they've done and get into the addiction that they're in, but would have been helpful if the parent would not have allowed them to go down that path and, and, and continue to enable them and, and, and you know, bail them out of every one of the messes they got themselves into. So stop making excuses and parents, stop making them for them. If you're taking notes, these are the final things there. Don't, don't make excuses. Don't do what's right in your own eyes. Oftentimes, that's what we do, right? We're just like, yeah, this, this sounds good for me. That's, that's where the people of Israel found themselves. Israel had no king, and they, they did what they saw fit, what was right in their own eyes. No, 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 no. L stop looking in your own eyes and look through the eyes and the context and the perspective of the Word of God. Allow this to be the mirror that you look at and say, okay, is this of God? Is this His plan and His will for me? And if you still can't find it in Scripture, then come to some godly counsel. Seek some counsel from somebody that you know and trust to help you say, yeah, should I do this? Should I not? Is this the way? Resist the way. Stop doing, don't do what's right in your own eyes. And finally, when the going gets tough, don't move to Moab. Don't move to Moab. Yes, I'm thankful to God that Ruth was faithful. And I'm thankful that God can take and redeem even the hardest of situations. But maybe it didn't even have to happen like that had Elimelech and Naomi not made the choices that they made. Had they not left and, and went to where it looked like it was greener on the other side of the fence, where life got just a little bit easier, where, where it, it's like, you know what, it's, just a, it's the, the land of compromise. That's what the land of Moab often is. It's like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not as bad as that guy, right? And, and you play comparison, and you think about what somebody else has done, and you're like, at least I'm not my brother who's, you know, been to jail, you know? 
Maybe I'm not paying child support, but at least I'm not my brother. Or at least I'm not on television and doing these things. No, no, no. Stop, stop making excuses. Take responsibility. Don't move to Moab. For whatever that looks like for you, I'm, I'm just telling you this. Stay put. Stay planted in the promised land of God. Stay right where God has you. Because this is the house of bread. This is the place where God provides and takes care and where even his one and only son was born, Bethlehem. It's that place. Why would you want to go anywhere else but there? Stay where God has you planted. Grow where you're planted. Ruth was committed while Naomi was embittered. And I know it's easy when... when I'm standing here and I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstances. Like, yeah, pastor, but you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. I I don't. You're right. But that doesn't make it something that I would say it makes it worth it to, to choose that path, to go down that road. No. Decide to stay where God has you. To say, God... Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And be committed to it to the point where, man, who knows the future and the favor that God has. If God had that kind of favor for a little Moabite girl, how much more could he do for each and every single one of you? Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray together. your heads bowed and your eyes closed if God's speaking to you today and he's telling you hey surrender everything to me stop stop making excuses maybe he's been talking to you for a long time today can be the day of salvation today can be the day of new beginnings Salvation is not based on your work. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on how many times you go to church or that you uh, have done anything. It's the work was done on the cross when Jesus died. When he said it is finished, he was talking about the sin that he paid for, the sacrifice that he made to make you right with him. First step today, if you want to get right with God, you want to leave that that foreign land called sin and selfishness. Today can be that day through just a simple prayer. It's a prayer that goes like this, and I'm going to pray it out loud, and I encourage the body of Christ and believers to pray this alongside me. And uh, if you want to pray this along with us, just repeat it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Today, be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let me, let me pray with you. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. God, I thank you for each and every heart, each and every person that's making declarations and decisions today to surrender their life to you. God, I ask that you'd be with them and help them. God, for the people in the room that maybe they've made that declaration, maybe they've been following you for, for years, but they know that they've been making too many excuses. There's these things in their life that they've just been kind of like hiding behind because it's easier to hide behind the excuse than to really make a change. But God, you're speaking to them. God, if you're speaking to these people today, I pray that you'd minister to them and help them and help them to say yes to you, to surrender to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, if you made a decision today, whether online or in person, man, we want to hear from you. We want to know that declaration you made. There's a connection card. There's an opportunity for you to fill that out. And you can drop it off in a bucket or in a box on the way out. You can even stop by the Next Steps tent and give that to somebody and uh, get a Bible and help you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. We want to encourage you. We want to walk with you in this thing called faith, this relationship with the one true living God. God bless you. Let's sing together as we, uh, we continue in the service.
Give this little little one a round of applause. And any of the family that's going to come represented, I'm going to ask mom and dad to stand on the stage. Any of the family that's that's here in support, I'm going to ask you guys to kind of line the front. There's, I know there's some family here. I can see uh, Steph. Steph's uh, uh, Tia. So uh, everybody that's there, is it just you, Steph? Tell them to get oh, over here, man. They're being shy. There's like three rows, right? They're being shy. Come on now. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. So this is baby Grayson. This is 
dad, Alejandro, and this is mom, Gabby. And uh, this is Steph, our worship leader's uh, nephew as well. So this is a special, special guy uh, for that reason as well. So um, I, we have a little gift. Mikey, present this to, to Alejandro. And, and in this gift, is uh, in this bag is a, um, a, a prayer book. And it's also a, a, a jar of marbles. Uh, Alejandro, do me a favor. Pull the jar of marbles out, would you, man, so that they can see it. Careful with it. Okay, so this is a jar of marbles. Hold it up so everybody can see it for us, man. And this is a reminder to you and to your, uh, to your, uh, your family. Don't lose your marbles. Don't lose your marbles. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Each one of the marbles, and that's that's just symbolic. It's not really how many, but there's a there's a story of a a family that that they used a marble to represent every Saturday that they had with their child from from birth to 18. It's 936 marbles. There's not really 936 in there, but every every week the the uh, the mother would take one marble out, move it move it to, to symbolize that this is one more marble, one more Saturday that I don't have with my baby. To not take it for granted, to not lose it without allowing it to be of value, to be used to, to, to develop and nurture and, and to support this little child. Because I know what it's like to lose my marbles. I've, I've only got about 400 left with my 11-year-old and I've got less than 200, maybe 100 and something with my 16-year-old. So I'm losing my marbles, man, and it's heartbreaking. But I want you to make sure that with this little guy that you don't lose your marbles, okay? We're going to dedicate baby Grayson, and this is what it says. The people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them and said, uh, let, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. In presenting this child for dedication, you signify not only your faith in the Christian religion, but also your desire that he may early know and follow the will of God, may live and die a Christian life, and come unto everlasting blessedness. In order to attain this holy end, it will be your duty as parents to teach him early the fear of the Lord, to watch over his education, that he may be not led astray, to direct his youthful mind to the holy scriptures and his feet to the sanctuary, to restrain him from evil associates and habits, and as much as in you lies, to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of God? If so, say, we will. I now ask you, family and congregation, will you commit yourself as the body of Christ to support and encourage these parents as they endeavor to fulfill their responsibilities to this child and to assist by nurturing his growth towards spiritual maturity. If so, say, we will. We will. I'm going to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we here and now dedicate Grayson in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, we humbly pray that you will take this child into your loving care abundantly enrich him with your heavenly grace. Bring him safely through the perils of childhood. Deliver him from the temptations of youth. Lead him to a personal knowledge of Christ as Savior. Help him to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people and to persevere therein to the end. Uphold the parents with loving care that with wise counsel and holy example, they may faithfully discharge their responsibilities both to this child and to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you.
bless you. Come on, let's give Grayson and this family one more round of applause. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to invite Mikey. You guys can uh, find your find your way back to your seats, and and I'm going to invite Mikey to come up and do our uh, closing announcements. You may be seated. morning church how we doing this morning again man I want to say thank you to to moms we love you we appreciate you we wouldn't be here without you so can we again just make some noise for all the moms in the house today So we have some announcements, just some things I want to let you guys um, in on on what's going on here at Renew Church and how you guys can be a part of it. Uh, firstly, um, man, our youth group is called Misfit Youth. Is, is anyone student in Misfit Youth? Can you make some noise? That's We need a lot more than that, guys. Misfit Youth is our youth group. Do I have any Misfit students in the house? That was so anticlimactic. We're going to do that again. Do we got any Misfit Youth students in the house? All right, guys. I'll, uh, I'm going to go home now and reconsider my entire life. No. Um, no, so we have um, our summer camp coming up in June. Uh, it's once a year. And we uh, last year was great. It was the first time Misfit Youth had ever gone to summer camp. We brought 30 people to camp. Um, and man, and it's changed our kids' life. It's changed our youth group since that. Like we have kids stepping in and serving in ways that we didn't even think were possible. Kids that are leaning into their faith and bringing their friends with them. And summer camp is an amazing time for students and teenagers to, to really just dive into their faith. And so we're believing this year that we're gonna bring more than 30 people. We're believing that we're gonna bring 50 people to summer camp this year, for sure. And with that, we believe that we're going to raise $15,000 to enable us to do that. Not only, yeah, for sure. Not only so that money is not an issue for any student who cannot go to camp, but also that we can get there. We're going to charter a bus. We're going to make sure that everyone is there as comfortable as possible. Um, and to make that happen, we're going to be doing a few fundraisers throughout the next few weeks. The main one that I want to share with you guys is our Misfit Talent Show. It's on June 3rd, 6.30 p.m. It's a Friday. Not only is it a talent show that our students are going to completely put on, but they're also going to be auctioning off art pieces, uh, food, desserts, different things, anything that we can to just raise funds that we can bring 50 people to camp and get them to experience the life-changing week, man, that summer camp is for these students. You can change a student's life by bringing them to camp. We believe that. And so, man, we would encourage you guys to come join us for our talent show. It's going to be a fun event. The kids are going to do a great job, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate any, any help for that. Um, I also want to mention May 21st. We're going to be having a carnival here on our grounds. Uh, we're not hosting it, but Norma Butler Bassard Elementary is. If you've been following Renew for some time, you know that that's where we actually started out. We started having services in Norma Butler Elementary School. And so they're coming here. They're going to host a carnival. It's going to be a family event, a really good time. So we encourage you guys to come out and join that. There might even be some serving opportunities. So just be on the lookout for that. And lastly, uh, Growth Track. What is Growth Track? If you're new to Renew Church, man, we encourage that you go to Growth Track. It's an opportunity to kind of see a little bit behind the scenes of what Renew Church is, who we are, what we believe, what it is that we're trying to do, and how you can be a part of that. 
it's hard on a Sunday to kind of really connect and get into like the nitty gritty of those things. And Growth Track just offers you the opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. And so if you're new to Renew Church, if you've never gone, highly encourage you to go to Growth Track. It's, it's after the first service. So I know that you guys are here in second service. If you're going to go, attend the first service and then check out Growth Track at 1035 a.m. Um, also, moms, there is a gift for you on the way out at the coffee table. Be sure to grab something there for you. Um, and lastly, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, we just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. And you can drop them off in a box on your way out. The second way to do that is to do it online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way to do that is to do it via text by texting give to 786-565-1165. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you, uh, God, for mothers. Lord, we thank you for this day that we're able to honor them and, and just show them how much we love them, Father. Um, God, bless them this day, Father, and help them to feel special, God. And uh, we pray for this offering this morning, God, that you would use it to continue to, to reach people, Father, to let people know about Jesus, oh God, um, and just use this church, God, in whatever way it would be that, that, that you see fit. Um, God, we pray that you bless these people, Father, as they give and as they worship you in this way, as they trust you, oh God. Uh, Lord, bless them. You know what they're going through, God. You know our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you next Sunday. There is power.